I once sat at the DMV for five hours, and that does something to a man, okay? I watched as people who had numbers higher than, or numbers that were after my number, you know, you pick a number at the DMV I went to. It was in Georgia. And um, I, I watched people, I was like, I got 187, what are you? Oh, I'm 211, and they'd call their name. I also watched these two government employees. There was one working and two that were talking to each other. And I almost, I flipped, man. After five hours, I was shaking. I was like watching them two ladies. So I went up to the counter to the one lady who was working. I, I kind of stepped right in front of somebody who was doing, this is not something you should do now, okay? I'm just telling you, this is a relating experience. So I walked up to the counter, and I was like, listen to me. I have been here for five hours. I need you to take my number, because this number, what's your number, lady? And she's like, oh, my gosh, this is a crazy deranged man. She's like, my number is 235. I'm 186. We need to go. We need to get filled out now. We need to get a license here. She's like, all right. And then I was leaving. I was like, and you see these two right here? They hadn't worked a minute all day long. And those ladies were like, uh-uh. Something happened. Five hours waiting in a DMV had demoralized me and made me insane. My wife's over there like, please, Lord, help him, okay? You should, you could, I wish I had, I lost the driver's license, but my picture, I look so angry. It's like, okay, it was bad news. And I want you to get this, and the point of that is this, not to tell you that sometimes I have a rage problem and you need to pray for your pastor, okay? That's not the point. But if you do, I'm fine with it. The point is this. Sometimes waiting makes us do crazy things. We're looking at the life of Abraham, and God called him out to leave his, the land of Haran to follow him. He didn't know where he was going, and so Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And because of that, God was going to make him a great nation. If we look in Genesis chapter 12, where we were last week, it said, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred to your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And so he's 75 at this time when God had told him to leave. He trusted God. He believed God. And, and, and later on in Genesis chapter 15, after a little foray into Egypt, that's not really a great, great time in Abram's, Abram's life at this point, okay? We, after Egypt, in chapter 15, he reasserts the promise and says, I'm going to make your nation, those who come after you, those who are of your lineage, more numerous than the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. Now, there's one problem. He's 75. His wife, Sarah, is nine years younger. She's in her 60s when this problem, promise is made. We're going to jump to, and here's where we're going to be this week. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 17, and there is 24 years past between the promise God, that God said, I'm going to make you a great nation, and when he shows up again, and there's still no child, 25, 24 years later from chapter 12 to chapter 17. You think about how long 24 years is? That's two family pets have come and gone. I don't want to get you weepy, but think about that for a second. That's enough time for your kids to graduate and be out of the house, Lord willing, out of the house, right? If you had one that was born then. There's been a lot of things that have transpired in their life, and they were having to wait 
wait on the Lord to fulfill his promises. Plus, their bodies are aging every day. They're looking, not just a little bit of aging, okay? That's from 75 to 99 for Abram. That's some serious aging years right there, okay? Right? That's right there, right? So you can imagine watching, watching the wrinkles form, watching probably the hair recede, okay? You think about Sarah. She was in her 60s when the promise was made. She's 90 now. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine how demoralizing it would have been? And she made some questionable choices, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But I want you to see something. I want, to ask, I want us to pose this question and ask it as we look in these passages. I want to ask this question. This is going to be our, our question. How do we keep moving forward in faith? Because we're called to follow means to follow God. We, have, we can't stay where we are. But the question is, how do we keep moving forward in faith when it seems like God is slow to fulfill his promises? In our economy, it seems like. In our time frame, it seems slow. The Bible does say in 2 Peter chapter 3, 8 and 9, that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. He is just being patient and kind, willing that those will repent. But also we know this, to the Lord, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And I want you to get this. Compared to your time, to your time frame and your little um, life, in front of you, you uh, work, in the back of the you only have a short a little time to exist. The Bible talks about us as a vapor, okay? And who are we to lecture the Almighty who is before time, who stands outside of time, who's Lord over time, to say, I don't like what you're doing in my life. A guest visiting with us for the first time, you're welcome. The answer is we can't say that. And we have a look at a big God, we understand. Everybody doing okay? Yeah, you're doing all right? We're going to enter time of service, if you will. We're so going to stand, take those thoughts We're going to each other. We think about it's cold flu season. But there is a demoralization okay? like the right. DMV. Some things happen when we have to wait on his promises to be fulfilled, don't, don't they? <laughs> Discouragement, so many things. We can see those in the life of Abram and Sarah. But I want to read to you. We're going to read a little bit, oh, quite a bit today, okay? So I want you to follow me, okay? I want everybody to raise their right hand. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to do that, okay? But here's the deal. When we're going we're gonna to read so, so a, a big chunk of Scripture, and here is going to be the tendency that we're going to have. It's just like, <sighs> he's reading, zone out. What are we going to do for lunch? If you, if you miss this, you're going to miss the whole thing. So I want us to walk through this together. So hopefully I won't sound like Charlie Brown's teacher to you Okay, because I want us to follow, okay? I want us to follow along in Genesis 17, verse 1. And Abram was 99 years old, 24 years, 75 to 99, no heir, waiting for God to fulfill his promises. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. If you have your own copy of God's word, I want you to highlight that says, I want you to know, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Do not waver in your faith. Verse 2, and I may, and I may, that I may make a covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Now, here's the, if you see a name change in the Bible or names in general, especially the Old Testament, they mean something. Abram used to mean exalted father. You imagine him exalted father as a little He's like, dude, what's your name? Exalted father, come here again. Okay, that's odd. So it goes from Abram. He says, I remember I'm going to make this promise to you. I'm going to change your name to make you remember that I'm going to make my promise to true. So his name becomes Abraham, which means father of a multitude. I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And he's like, okay, 
I got no kids by my wife and one kid by her servant, which we're going to get into. How is this going to be happening? I will make you exceedingly fruitful and will make you into a nation and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you and your offspring after you throughout their generation everlasting, for everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you kings coming from your line. And I'm going to give you this land that you've been hanging out in and wondering it's going to be yours and, and your children's children. In verse 9, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Now here is the sign of the covenant that comes after he's believed God in Genesis 15, after he's left Haran, after he's believed the promises. There's a sign that's coming. This is going to be very important, and this is also very uncomfortable to talk about. And so we get here in verse 10. It says, every male among you shall be circumcised. Okay. You shall be circumcised in your flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought, bought with your money from your foreigner who is not your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is brought in your bought in with your money shall surely be circumcised. You shall so shall my covenant be flesh and everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He shall, he shall have broken my covenant. That has got to be hard to hear. I'm going to fulfill my promises, but here's one of the signs of it. Everybody, all the males had to be circumcised. It's going to be important here. Go in verse 15. God said to Abraham, as to Sarai, your wife, Sarai and Sarah mean the same thing. It means basically princess, which is fantastic. There's somebody in the Bible named princess, all right? I mean, come on. That's really good. All right? And so she's going to be the princess. Why? She's going to be, she's related, or she's married to the exalted father, now the father of the multitudes, right? Well, some great names. And then Princess Sarah is going to have these promises made to her and reaffirmed to her. Why do you think it was important that the promises were reaffirmed? Because it's been 24 years! Yeah, when you're doing that, um, it doesn't seem that long because chapter twelve and chapter that, seven—that's uh, only a five-chapter difference. But it could not have been longer. If you're to do the the rhythm <laughs> that'll go best with it, verse sixteen, I will one, bless two, her, and three and four, and, and more, one, moreover, two, I will three, give you a four, son by one, her, and I will so bless her, one, uh, and she shall become kid. nations, kings of people shall come from her, and Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said to himself. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. That's the son by another, by, by Sarah's handmaid, Hagar. Verse 19. And God said, Not by Sarah. No, God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. 
and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you before. I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So this is 24 years. On the 25th year of the promise being kept, in that long wait time, Isaac's going to come back. So here's what I want you to notice. Okay, first off, I just get you to remember this. When God reminded Abram of the promise, he fell on his face and he laughed and we even have what he said to himself, okay? Why do you think we have that? Because God understands and he knows what's happening here, okay? So he fell, falls on his face and he laughs. It's like this. If somebody came to me and said, Matt, you're going to win Mr. Olympia, the best bodybuilding championship around. You're going to win that. You know what I would do? <laughs> yeah. Matt, when you reach 40, you're going to be able to dunk a basketball. <laughs> Okay, you've been there? That laugh is, is a laugh of like, yeah, right. If you ever go to somebody, hey, when you make your millions, you want you to remember me, okay, and help me out. And you know, everybody's like, uh, yeah, I'm When you win the lottery, uh, yeah, okay. Any of those things, that's the kind of laugh we have. We have a faithless laugh, but I think we have a good laugh. Yeah. What's really good about that beat? Is that son. you don't have Maybe to you do make all the promises work for him because it seems like so I'm going to be a hundred. He's going to be in her nineties. This is not going to happen. You'll know. Okay. So Abram That's, laughed. So well, then, if we're, after we're eighteen, here's what happens. Uh, There's three men that, that show up in front of Abraham's tent. Uh huh. One of them is the Lord. That that'll give now, you that split second of time to realize. We don't know if this is a pre-incarnate Jesus, but it sure does seem so. There's got this man who's speaking like the Lord and called the Lord. I don't know, but he's, whoever accent. it is, these three right. men appear. The messengers definitely. You hear the accents? Well, one of them represents the presence of the Lord. And in Genesis 18, they show up, and in verse 9, the Lord speaks to us now from Sarah to Sarah. You should work out no, five. Sarai to Sarah. Now, verse 9 you, says this. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was eavesdropping. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Sarah was listening at the tent behind him. Okay, she had the cup. I don't know, but she wants to know what's going on. All right. Feel the drums. Now, Abram and Sarah were old. Don't you love that to be said about you in the Bible? They were old. Okay, that's fantastic. Advanced in years. It's making a point. Didn't just say old, but also advanced in years. That's two ways of saying the same thing, okay? So, it goes on. It says, the way a woman has ceased to be with Sarah. All of the biological processes that would make pregnancy possible have ceased by some time. She was old, advanced in years, and there was no way of the woman with her. So, we get on to verse 12. So, Sarah laughed to herself. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, she got it that time. Doesn't know how things work. It's not gonna happen. After this, she says, she's saying to herself, after so I'm worn out we'll and my Lord right is old, <laughs> I'm worn out. Abraham's old. <laughs> Shall I have pleasure? Verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? 
and say? I'll do. I'll just do like a. There she is. It's obviously the Lord. So he heard Abram's inner thoughts. He could have heard Sarah's laugh. And he asked Abram, hey, why is she laughing? He's probably, (gasps) (laughs) it's like being caught doing something, you know. You ever been into a doctor's office and had to wait? Again, this is waiting. And you start fumbling around in the drawers. I've never done this. And they walk in. Oh, put that away. What does this instrument do? Okay, I mean, <laughs> I've done that before. You can imagine this surprise here. He's Abram. Why is she laughing? Okay. The Lord said to Abraham, "Why did Sarah laugh and say, 'Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old?'" And then he asked. The Lord asked, "Is there anything too hard for the Lord?" At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah, she denied it. Not that she was going to have a son, but she denied. I didn't laugh. What are you talking about? Okay. Laugh? (laughs) For she said she was afraid. Talking to the Lord. And he said no, but. something okay all of us if you're in if you're in Christ you're waiting on the Lord to make all sin and death gone and to make humanity new and to make a new heavens and a new earth we're all groaning and waiting for that and you know this this groaning and waiting is seen by the fact that we have death and sickness and trials and turmoil and we're all waiting on the Lord to fill his promise in some way and sometimes we become discouraged as we wait and we do crazy so I want to look at the life of Abraham and Sarah, and I want us to see see some ways that we can continue to move forward in our faith and not become sidetracked, derailed, discouraged, and move off where God has us to go. Because, church, I know this, God wants to move us forward in our faith. And the waiting you're doing may discourage you, but I think in the life of Sarah, you can see a few things. Here's the thing, we all, they all got ours to be. Back to 17, chapter 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord God appeared to Abraham and said, All of this begins with you, God. Notice this I am God Almighty. It's been 24 years. We've had little glimpses, we've had some ups and downs, we've had a lot of people in the family life. And so here's what happens God, when He shows back up on the scene and He speaks to not picking your head up. It's I am God Almighty. You may know this, but the Hebrew word 
have another word that went along with it that described the character of God. And so in this situation, God Almighty is El Shaddai. Many of you may have heard some of those songs being sung or heard this before. El Shaddai means God Almighty. So here's what he wants to remember that I am the Lord. I can do anything. So there's no impossibility. There's no one too lost to be saved. There's no situation too dire to be redeemed from. Not saying that will happen because remember, our ways are not his ways. His ways are higher and better. But I want you to know this, that God is almighty. He is El Shaddai. And the first thing he says before he gets to Abram, or before he changes Abram's name to Abraham, before he renews his covenant and reminds him and encourages him, he wants you to know more than anything else, I am God almighty. Nothing he can't do. Holds everything in the palm of his hand. He is completely sovereign, completely in control. There is no you one need me to play thwart that his faster? plans, and that's a fun word to say. Thwart, go say that to someone this week. There's nothing that could stop him. He is weird. God Almighty. In fact, that is when Sarah laughs and gets called out in, get, in Genesis hey, 18, 13. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? I mean, What's God's I'm, answer? I'm waiting for you. We're going to get you on in vitro. Is that the answer? I'll do that, you know. So No, what's the answer? Is anything too hard for the Lord? All right, we'll just take that. He promised that. it. He would deliver. Now, her situation is unique. He promised a child, and there are many who have struggled with childlessness and infertility. That's one of the great struggles, and I think the Bible speaks to it here. And I cannot tell you that God would provide you a child. That wasn't the promise that you were making. Hagar, she could bear a child. Abram, I want you to, to, to go in with her, to sleep with her, and produce a child. Oh, it'll be fine. And you can imagine. It's close like, enough for government work. Okay. I I can imagine him being put in this situation a little bit. <laughs> just, and of course, you know, so that second round of that chorus, okay. I'm doing a 16th Nothing new under the sun. To create it's like the when shaker effect. Says, so do I look nice You just keep this? doing what you're doing. If you say fine, you're dead. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you're right. dead. What do you, baby? That looks awesome. God knows it's almost right. like the setup. 
Do you think Hagar's pretty? No. Okay. They set up the plan. He goes into her. They have a child, Ishmael. And guess what happens? It is a nightmare. There's jealousies. And all these problems happen because this son is born out of this situation. The kid's not the problem. The sin is the problem, okay? And so here's what happens is this: their family is now thrown into, it's the Jerry Springer type thing. That's my, this is my kid by my, by my servant, okay? That's what has happened. It doesn't work out very well. That's some less than Jake right there. But let's remember a few things. Sarah is commended for her faith, but it definitely faltered. The Lord pointed that out, that she tried to fulfill God's promises her own way, and it made a mess in their family, caused great tension and difficulty. And so I wanted to point this out. At times, saving faith will falter, especially because waiting makes us crazy. But saving faith never fails. Do you know why? Because your faith does not ultimately depend on you. He will hold you fast. And God is, not, God is fulfilling his promise. You know it's coming. They faltered. What happens? Repentance happens. Returning happens. So I want you, if you're in this situation where you're waiting and you're in difficulty, I want you just to hear me on this, or whatever situation you are in your life, sin will not make your situation better. Never. Ever will it make your situation better? Ever. On any time. But, 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 no, never. Look in the Bible. Every time sin is here, it might be good for a season. You imagine when that baby's born. In fact, if you go back and read Genesis chapter 16, when the baby's born, then Sarah hates Hagar from then on. And it's baby mama drama. What happens in their life? Okay? It's never, it's, it sounds like a good idea. Then we'll have a kid, and then if God doesn't come through on his promises, then we'll have it over here. Sin never is good for you. That's why you got to move out of where you are. And hear, hear me, hear my heart. If you're going to stay in your sin to think things are going to get better, you are wrong. Leave. Leave it. Run away. Return to the Lord. If you're in sexual sin, run from that. If your relationship's a mess, run. If those if if you are if you are trying to if you're trying to leave a marriage and there's no godly grounds for any of that, you need to stay. Go back home. Love your wife. It's not gonna the grass isn't greener, it's just grass. Why don't you just get this? Return to the Lord. His way is always better. His way is always better. Remember God Almighty, return to the Lord. And that's remembering God's Almighty, because when you say, God, your way is better, you're saying, you're more mighty than my feeble intellect and the way I'm going to see if I can wiggle out of my problems. Second thing, return to the Lord. And there's some illustrations, this, and the Lord will receive you back. I got a couple of just New Testament illustrations of this real quick, okay? Because here's what happens. Both Abram and Sarah, they laugh and they kind of mock the Lord, and the Lord's going to answer their prayers, okay? And he's going to, Isaac's name's laugh, and then, and 
it's going to be funny that his kid, his name means laughing, and then God's going to name him that because he recognized that they laughed, and he's going to make their laughing from kind of snarky laughing to joyful laughing later on, okay? And so we see this in this passage that, that the Lord, he, re- he receives those people who have, who have faltered, but their faith, the true saving faith never fails, okay? In fact, we know this from Philippians chapter 1-6, we see in New Testament ways, I am sure of this, Paul would say, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ, okay? God is working in you, and he's working in Sarah and Abraham. Their faith falters, but it does not fail. And they get to this place where we see that they faltered, and they come back. And here's one of the things that happens with us is we think sometimes we've made too big a mistake to come back right away. And the Lord, he is gracious and kind and compassionate, and he knows our weakness. He's a sympathetic high priest because he suffered as a man, and he was faced with all the temptations as we were. He is compassionate and faithful, and returning to the Lord is something he calls us to do. And I want you to look, and if there's a couple of passages that you can see, in Mark 15, 51 and 52, there's this story about when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to get arrested. This is great. I can't believe this is in the Bible, but it's so good. There's a guy who's standing there kind of watching it all unfold, and when they're arresting Jesus, he, they, he's seen, and the guards go after him to arrest him. They grab his cloak, and you know what happens? He runs away naked. They grab his clothes, and he's like, forget the clothes! And he goes running off at the end of the gospel, like right before the crucifixion. This is a scene that's in Mark's gospel. The guy who probably was that guy was Mark who wrote the gospel. It's what most scholars think. That's not a good moment. I'll be with you forever. <laughs> Jesus, I'm following you. Woo, they got swords! Naked running. Yes, they call him the streak. And it's in the Bible. Oh, my goodness. What happens? Well, Mark obviously comes back how we know he penned the gospel account, which is probably largely taken from Peter and his experience, who said, Jesus in that same garden, I will never betray you. A rooster crows after the as the crucifixion's happening and after he's denied three times, not once, three, the rooster crows. After his resurrection, Jesus pierced his disciples, including Peter, and he's restored and he's given a position in the church to feed Jesus' sheep. What makes you think that your sin is so great that you can't come back? And why would you delay the return? The father in the story of the prodigal was not cold-hearted. What was he doing? He was looking for the son to return and met him halfway. I don't want you to see this. At time, saving faith falters, but it never fails. So return to the Lord. Don't just remember he's Lord Almighty. But return to the Lord Almighty, saying, your way is better than mine, and also this, you won't let me go. You who started a good work in me will fulfill it. He's seen it. He's been faithful. Look at the scriptures. He's faithful to his promise with Abram and Sarah. And he'll be faithful till the end of time. Till the, he is from all eternity. He is faithful So return to him. Remember, return, and then I want us to rely on him. Now, I've mentioned the circumcision bit, not just to make us uncomfortable, but Paul brings up circumcision in in Romans chapter 4. You remember that whole bit, sign of the covenant, 
was that they had to be circumcised, every person in their house. And in fact, we stopped reading at 17, but here's what happened at the end of Genesis 17. The Bible recounts that Abram, who is how old? 99 is circumcised, and his 13-year-old son, Ishmael, is circumcised. There is a reason we circumcise babies. They don't remember it. And so they took the sign of the covenant here, and in Romans chapter 4, Paul's arguing something. Here's some more homework for you. Go back in Genesis 16 and go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, Paul is making this case, that salvation doesn't come by works, but it comes by, it comes by grace through faith in Jesus. You are justified by grace through faith. And we see that in the Bible because Abram, before he received circumcision in Genesis 17, he believed God in Genesis 15, and it was attributed to him or counted to him as righteousness. He was pleasing to God through faith before he took the sign of faith, which was circumcision. Paul's going to make this. Here's the good news. God is pleased with us not because of our keeping of the law, because we can't ever keep it right. God is pleased with people because of Christ's finished work and our faith in it. And all of Abraham's line was pointing towards Christ, Jesus, who would come and pay that penalty. And Paul is talking about that. You go back to the beginning. God is not pleased by your works because your works, you all have sinned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all fall short of the goal, which is the glory of God. We all are in sin. But those can be justified by faith alone in Jesus. And then we talk about in Romans chapter 8, because we were made right, Romans chapter 8, we know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is great news. Because of faith, not because you're good, but because of faith, you are right with Christ. You are right with God. Reconcile. And then in Romans 8, going down a little bit further, remember all this based on, and as a point, he's using Abram and Abraham and his faith here as the prerequisite for entering into faith or entering into this new life. Verse, this is Romans 8, 26 through 30, and it'll be on the screen for you. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as, let me say this again, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, this is important. And we know that those who, lo who love God, or for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. And so here's the thing. Through faith we enter into, God has been calling and predestining, and we come to him by faith, and now we are heirs to these promises that he who began a good work in us will, will finish it. He's going to sanctify us, make us holy, and he will glorify us one day when he comes again. And so we can see this, that in all of our trials and all of our tribulations, everything that comes, the thing that's coming into your life that's bad is not good, but God is good in them because he can turn all things for our good and for his glory. And so we can look at the pain and we can look at the weight and we can look at all these things and say, we can really say it and look at it, God, you're working for my good in this, which is hard. 
when your marriage is on the rocks, how are you working for my good here? He may be calling you out of sin and selfishness. He may be breaking a bone so he can be stronger when it heals. God, how can I go through this season? Where are you? I can't wait any longer. And the Bible does all. How long, oh Lord, will you forget me? And he's I'm here. So we can rely. So where are you going right now? You just need to just, just speak this truth in this situation. If it looks dark, God, you're working this for my good and for your glory. Cancer. My good and your glory. Might eat my body alive, and I might die, but it's for my good. Because you care more about my heart and my soul and my eternity than you do now. Because this only lasts for this long. Eternity lasts for that long. And we gotta, we got to rely. We remember that God's almighty. We return to the Lord. And then what do we do? We rely on the Lord and say, God, your promises are true. By faith, just like Abram, I'm justified. And good work in me. He's going to complete it. I'm going to, I'm justified. I was predestined. I was called. I was, I was justified. I will be glorified. You're going to finish the task and everything you're doing, everything that comes, the pain, the trial, the difficulty, everything. It's not good, but you're working in it because you're God almighty. You're God almighty. You got this. Finally, I want us to recite this man by the name of Thomas More wrote this several hundred years ago, and it's been adapted into, into some spiritual songs, and then most recently you can hear it on K-Love through a guy named Crowder with a big trucker beard. And this line says, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So I want to remember this. Remember, we return to the Lord. We rely on him because he's working for our good and for his glory and all things. He's made the promise. And then we need to recite this because this is a good line, that earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. If you would. Remember all the laughing, <laughs> all the, what does the Lord say? In a year I'm going to come back. And in that year, you're going to have a son. Genesis 21. We've been jumping around, folks. You're hanging with me. I like that. Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. He, he, God Almighty keeps his promises. And the, Lord, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived, and he bore Abraham a son in his old age, that hundred-year-old dude, as God a newborn. Pray for Abraham, right? <laughs> Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac, which means he laughs. And Abram circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, fulfilling the covenant. And as God had called him, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah, and Sarah was 91, by the way, just doing some math. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son, in his, a son in his old age. And so here's the deal. The laughing was a point of, I don't believe you, God. That is ridiculous. To now it's a point of, how could I have not believed God? And how great is this? You women amaze me. And I'll tell you why. 
Because childbirth is an ugly affair. That ain't easy. If I had to do that once, there would be no more children ever. If men had to do, like, have children, it would not happen. Because if you've ever seen that and what they go through and all the contractions and all the uncomfortable appointments and all the having the baby and how long that takes and all that jazz, all right? And then a year later, they're like, let's have another kid. And you're like, do you remember the last one? You remember what happened? <laughs> Why does that happen? Because the joy of having that child makes you forget that pain. It has to make you forget. It has to have a, a, a quality that induces amnesia because that junk is crazy. Why? Because the joy overcomes the sadness and the pain. And you're thinking, that was nothing compared to what I have now. And there's a reason why Isaac's name is he laughs. Because the Lord wants to remember that he took his greatest pain, their greatest pain and made it their greatest pleasure for his glory. Oh, man. Let's let that sink in for a minute. That the Lord, that, that, that the pain now and him making you like, who, making you like him and working in your darkness and your hurt and working all things for his good or for your good and for his glory, all of that, these light momentary afflictions, as Paul would call them, are nothing to the weight of glory prepared for us. And heaven and a relationship with God and renewed humanity, all of that, will be of such joy and goodness that we will look back on the things and the pains and the waiting and the craziness that we bring on to ourselves sometimes. We will look back and say, oh, man, that was all worth it for the joy that I have now. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. What's ahead of you is so much greater than what lies in front of you and what is behind you. This is not based on a motivational idea. If you just keep your head up, things are going to get better. This is based on nothing less than Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Positive thinking is not what we're talking about. This is pure, unadulterated hope in the risen Jesus, evidenced in the Scripture seen, worked out in our lives by faith. Jesus is our hope. And whatever you go through now will be nothing compared to what he has for you. Nothing. So, dear friend, dear friend, I know waiting can make you crazy. I almost decapitated someone in the DMV several years ago. It can make you nuts. Sitting at the restaurant, and they keep calling the other parties, and you're getting left out, and you're about to throw a breadstick. It can make you crazy. You can do strange things. You can falter. But don't let it keep you from moving forward in your faith. Remember that our God is almighty. There's nothing he can't do. Return to him. Your sin is not good. It won't lead you to the place where he wants you to go. He, is, he knows better than you do. 
He who began a good work in you will complete it. Return to him. Rely on him. He is working for your good, even if you can't see it, even if you don't ever see it. He is good. He's almighty. He keeps his promises. You don't see the end, but he does. He is not a God who lies. He is true. And remember this, what lies before you is greater than what is happening now, what lies ahead, and what is behind. Because here is the good news. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. God uses Sarah and Abraham's greatest pain of childlessness, and he changed the name Isaac. He laughs from derision to joy. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. We're going to pray, and we are going to partake of these elements together if you're a believer in Jesus, and we're going to do these in faith and joy that Christ died for us, which shows that, that he's working for our good and for his glory in all things. Let's pray as the uh, communion team goes forward. Father, we just, we're going to thank you for this news. Thank you for this celebration. Thank you for your word and keep your promises and they're true. God, help us keep moving forward in faith while we wait. God, there's some deep sorrows and deep, deep hurts, God. Those bind up the broken, Lord. God, afflict those who are comfortable in their sin to show them a greater way. God, and we speak into the darkness and then into the situations where we wait. We speak into those things and we say, God, you're working for our good and for your glory. We're standing on the promises that cannot fade. So God, help us as we take the Lord's Supper to do this in, in contemplation and in worship. All for you, all in hope in you. Renew our faith, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.